Hey y'all, I'm Leah. I am the Iowa football reporter with the Gazette and welcome back to the On Iowa podcast. Today I am joined by Jay Neiman, the defensive line and assistant defensive recruiting coordinator at the University of Iowa. So Jay, I just wanted to welcome you to the On Iowa podcast and ask you how you're doing today. Uh, Great. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk um, Iowa football. Yeah, sure thing. And I know we're all starved for some football stories some football content this offseason as we wait for fans back in the stands and all kinds of fun stuff. (laughs) To people back in the clinic and back that stadium again, get it back to used to be. Yeah, well, I'm excited. It's going to be my first. Well, other than a Northwestern game, it will be my first like real Big Ten football experience. So excited. You'll you'll enjoy (laughs) it. Well, yeah. So since I am the new Iowa football reporter on the beat, um, as I have these coaches on, I kind of want to give you all a chance to share your story, not just for the fans, but also just for me, because I'm trying to get to know y'all as I take on this beat. And so one of my favorite podcast hosts, Brene Brown, always asks this question when she opens her podcast, and it is, what is your story? And so I just wanted to ask you, what is your story, you know, on and off the resume as far as your career and who you are, how you got here? Well, it's it's a little bit unique in that I've got two boys that have played in the program here, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, our family is an Iowa-based family. My wife and I both grew up in this state and um, oddly enough, both attended Iowa State University. Uh, (laughs) All that against us. But um, um, I've coached in four different schools, uh, colleges, or universities in the state of Iowa, Drake University, Northern Iowa, Simpson College, and now the University of Iowa. Also had stops, as we talked earlier, at uh, Hardin-Simmons down in Texas, um, Northern Illinois University, and then out at Rutgers University. So uh, like a lot of coaches, I've been a few places and uh, learned a lot along the way, and um, very fortunate to have wound up here at the University of Iowa and uh, being able to coaching work alongside of coach Ferris and the staff has really been a great opportunity for me but um, you know I've been in coaching my whole life that's all I've ever done for the most part um, outside of um, going to get a master's degree at the University of Washington prior to those stops that I just mentioned uh, I've got my master's degree in educational administration out there where I worked under Don James um, who was a kind of a legendary coach who's since passed away but um, very very highly respected guy in the business and took his team to multiple Rose Bowls and won a national championship. Um, so that was a good stop as well. But um, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride. It's had its ups and downs, but uh, we've sure enjoyed the profession. And uh, I really love what I do day in and day out. So really happy to be here at the University of Iowa. I wanted to know how you got into coaching and why why you do what you do. Well, I think like a lot of us, um, you know, I played the game of football ever since, you know, I was in junior high and played at Iowa State. And I think it's just one of those things that, um, you know, kind of is in your blood and you just choose to want to do it because you love the game. But, <clears throat> excuse me, from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, it's, it's about the relationships that you have, uh, both with the players and the coaches. I really enjoy the day-to-day interaction with the staff, just, just being with the guys, being part of a team, so to speak. Also, just mentoring young men and 
you know, at this stage of the game, when you're dealing with guys that are between the ages of 18 and 22, just helping them come, you know, from the stages of being young men to grown men, hopefully when they leave the program and taking them through that transition. So that's really a lot of what motivates me to do what I do. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you've kind of been all over the state of Iowa, but you've also traveled the country for your career. And I'm just wondering, and I think someone even asked this on Twitter, how you've been able to balance like your two sons football careers with also your own career as a football coach? Well, it's not easy to do. College football coaching is a very demanding and time-consuming profession. As everybody knows, it follows it closely. Um, your family, you know, it all starts with my wife, Luann, to be honest with you. If you don't have a supportive coach's wife who understands all the demands that go along with this and some of the things that, um, you know, they have to wear sometimes two, two hats, uh, the mom and the dad hat. You know, when the dad's gone, they got to be the disciplinarian and some of those kinds of things. And so um, it's, it's a unique situation from a family perspective. But, um, you know, I, could, I couldn't get to every one of my kids' events, but I would get to as many as I could. It just so happened that when they were in their formative years, um, we were at Northern Illinois, and that's when my boys were junior high into high school. And just the way our staff schedule was set up there, um, you know, with how we operated as a program, I was able to get in on a lot of their activities and get to a lot of their games and do the things that, um, you know, were really meaning for them to in that point in time in their lives. So it's worked out well. Like I said, I haven't been able to be at everything, but um, we've managed and um, it's turned out pretty well. Yeah. And so were you able to watch any like games on Sundays this past year? I mean, with um, obviously you've got Ben playing for Kansas City. Now you're going to have Nick. So, yeah, are you able to watch those games? Well, it's um, kind of hit and miss uh, this year, this past year. Uh, I was able to get to one or two of the regular season games and then all the playoff games and both Super Bowls that Ben played in. So Coach Ferentz has been just outstanding about allowing me to get away when the schedule permits. Um, of course, he's had sons that have been in that same boat, so he knows what that's like as a parent. Uh, but he's been super great as far as letting me get away when I've needed to be able to, you know, and can't, can't, and I've been able to do that. Um, and uh, so it's worked out well to get to some of the, the key moments, at least for Ben and his career thus far. And uh, hopefully Nick will have some along the way too. And, but they, you know, they both have to make the team in the NFL. It's a, it's a redo process every year. You start from scratch and hopefully they'll both be on NFL rosters this fall. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's super, it must be super exciting. I'm wondering, of all the different stops that you've made in your career, which ones were kind of your maybe stood out as like your biggest learning experiences, like maybe offered some life lessons to you that stand out or even ones that might have been like huge culture shocks in like the funniest, and best way? <laughs> well, I think every stop has... Um meaningful experience to it you learn something along the way every head coach I've worked for every program I've been in uh, they, they, they've all provided great opportunities for me to learn and grow um, and improve as a coach and <clears throat> probably the two biggest differences uh, from a geographical perspective were the three years down in Texas and then the three years out in New Jersey because you know we're a Midwest family and so if you get out of your region of the country, obviously some things are going to be different, but they weren't, weren't different in a bad way. They were just different because we hadn't been in those places before. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm sure like we were talking about the heat today. So <laughs> Texas yeah. is like no other. <laughs> yeah, that, Texas, that Texas heat, you know, that, that'll get you. But uh, we, like I told you before we started the podcast, we really enjoyed our time there. That was a great stop. And we still have a lot of lifelong friends down there that we've maintained contact with and uh, been down to vacation with in the summer and those types of things. So uh, that was a, that was a real good place for us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I did do have some Twitter questions that maybe I should lead off with to see what, um, what comes from them. And um, so one question was how often do you reach out to former coach, former coach Reese Morgan for information on in-state coaches and players? Well, Reese is around the program a lot. Um, not as much as he was when he was working here full time, of course, but um, he's, he's around a lot for like all the spring practices. Um, not this year so far, but he will be around some of our summer camps. When I first got here and got started on the job, I know we sat down and looked at a lot of film together just so I could learn, um, you know, our system of coaching the defensive line play here. He was very helpful there. He's a resource that's, that's, um, he's just always there. He's always giving and willing to, uh, you know, give up his time to help in whatever way he can. But, um, you know, fortunately for me, and part of the reason probably why I got hired in all honesty was because I did have a good connection in the state with, um, a lot of the high school coaches because I had worked at other schools within the state and recruited the central Iowa area uh, before I ever got to the university here. So that made the transition easy and smooth from a recruiting perspective, but Reese has been awesome to work with um, and to be around. And he's, he's a great sounding board and a great resource for us. Yeah, obviously like you can't speak to specifics on recruiting, but we are in a big like recruiting month. And so I wanted to know what has been like the toughest part in your position um, in recruiting this past year, especially with the dead period just now ending and, you know, kids just now kind of getting ready to go on campus. Yeah, last year was a, I mean, on every front, it was just a bizarre year. Uh, we had obviously all the COVID restrictions that we had to deal with. So we couldn't get out to any high schools. Uh, the recruits couldn't come and see us. Uh, the only real communication that we could have with them or the high school coaches really had to be over the phone or, you know, you could FaceTime and, and do those types of things or have virtual communication. But um, in terms of getting anybody on a campus and having our normal format or, or normal way of doing things, it just didn't happen. <clears throat> we couldn't have any of our June camps, so we couldn't evaluate players in person, which is what we're right in the middle of at, right now as we speak. So, it was a it was a very different year, uh, very challenging year, and uh, you just had to find other ways to get the job done based on what the rules would allow. And um, so, it, like I said, it was challenging. But now that we've kind of transitioned and gotten through the COVID and, and we're back into something that resembles pretty much normal, uh, once we got to June 1st, the dead period was lifted. And so now we are having kids on, on campus. We are um, going out to other places and, and going to satellite camps. Like we've got four other satellite camps that we're working off our campus. And so um, it's, it's uh, we're going full tilt and it's really busy. There are a lot of kids coming in here on unofficial visits. And then um, with the camps that we have here on our own campus, there's just a real intensive evaluation process going on, which is pretty normal with the exception of last summer as far as how we do things. 
Um, I hate to use the word product, but I'm wondering, you know, with your defensive line eye, what do you look for in those recruits and those kids? Like what stands out to you when, when you're getting ready to be like, Oh, this kid is someone I want to offer. Like Hmm. what characteristics are you looking for specifically for your position group? Sure. Well, I think two things that come out athletically right off the bat are length and speed when you have, and that's relative to any position, obviously D linemen aren't going to run like defensive backs or running backs, but relative to their position, do they have good movement skills, good length? Um, But when, when we get them to camp, you know, a lot of what we really look for in terms of intangible qualities is can they take instruction? Do they listen? Do they look you in the eye when you're talking to them? Can they take coaching? Um, and, and apply it into a drill setting? Um, do they, are they a young man that has to be told things repeatedly before they get it? Or can they get it after just being having, having it be explained to them once or twice? You know, those are the things that you uh, don't get just by looking at somebody's huddle film. And then just is there a, an interaction between yourself and the, and the prospect that leads you to believe that there would be a, a real good coach-player relationship if that young man, in fact, did end up on your campus and become a guy that you signed? So those are a few things that we try to take into consideration. And I'm wondering when it comes to your position specifically as a defensive recruiting coordinator, um, what is your role and what, how do you, like, what does your job specifically entail and how does that differ from like a Tyler Barnes who's obviously kind of overseeing everything? Yeah, Tyler is um, he and Scott South made are much more involved uh, on the administrative end. They handle a lot more of the paperwork and, and the, the in-office types of things that need to be done. And it's really extensive work. There's a lot of detailed work and, and a lot of time-consuming work that goes into that, um, just with developing lists and, and getting information pumped out to the staff and keeping us abreast of what's going on, not only within the state, but within the country, as far as um, you know, dealings with other recruits that we may be on that are outside our region those kinds of things. Uh, my, my responsibilities, especially in season, but also right now, are a lot more tied to this evaluation process. Um, like when the season comes in the fall and we're getting ready to play our own games and the high school has kicked off their season, I'll be the guy that's out there on Friday night um, watching games, trying to see people play in person and uh, doing, doing those kinds of things, not so much uh, the administrative work here in the office. Oh, sorry, my cat just meowed. I hope you didn't <laughs> in the background. She tends to come in at the worst times. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, you could be at a Friday night football game one night and then you'll be Saturday game day. That's a lot of travel. Are you mainly like Iowa recruiting? Is that your zone, like within the state of Iowa? Well, the central Iowa area is my primary territory, but on a Friday night, I could possibly. Good looking out there. <laughs> I could possibly be in a situation where I'm, I'm looking at someone else's player. It doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that's in my area. So I'll, I'll, it just depends on where we're playing and what we've got going on the next day in terms of uh, who, who we decide that I'm going to go watch on that particular Friday night. Um, there's been a lot of talk about like the consistency at the defensive line. You know, you're shuffling out a lot of players every year um, and replacing them. And I'm wondering 
what, how you've been able to build that consistency on the defensive line and what makes that be such a consistent, um, yeah. consistently, yeah, a consistent position for Iowa. Right. We, I've been asked that before, and I think the easiest answer to that question and the most and the honest answer to that question is, you know, when you're in a program like we're in here where your head coach has been in place 20 plus years, your defensive coordinator in place 20 plus years, you have a system that's um, proven to be successful. It's time tested. Um, you, you don't change a lot from year to year with what you do in terms of the schemes, the fundamentals, the techniques that are taught. And so uh, it becomes a little bit easier to identify the type of players that fit that system. And um, if you don't change a lot from year to year, I think that allows for that consistency to be developed. And the players that come in here, you know, whether they're staying three, four, five years, they're doing the same types of things year in and year out, spring and fall. It doesn't change much. So just um, through all the consistency and repetition, and what they're used to be doing over, over a long period of time. I think it just bodes well for their development in the program, and that's why you've seen the quality of defensive line player that you have here over the number of years that Coach has been on staff here. It's stressful to, like, see, like, three or four of your defensive linemen leave every year. I mean, I, mean, I know it's got to be gratifying, but is it also like, oh, here we go? <laughs> Well, I think every year you look at your, your board and you go, wow, how are we going to replace these guys? But when you've been through that before time and time again over the course of coaches' tenure here of 20-plus years, you know that it can be done because you've done it before. You've proven that, um, you know, if you just recruit in, in a systematic way like we do, that uh, these young guys will step up and fill the shoes of the older guys that have left, and it's, it's worked out real well. So um, during this past spring, um, if we're talking about specific players, there were a couple that were out that I know people are curious about. And one of them that um, stood out on Twitter was, what are your expectations for Yahweh Black? And so I'll start with asking you about him and what you've seen out of him. Yeah, uh, YA is, is a six foot five or six, close to 300 pound young man. Uh, he's got some great physical tools and qualities, but uh, he's also a very smart football player, and we've got very high expectations for him. Uh, he role-played a little bit last year as a true freshman, got in some games, got his feet wet, and, and got enough snaps to, to understand what it's like to be in a Big Ten football game. And now the next step of the progression for him is to come back and, and have a good summer and a good fall training camp and uh, hopefully be in a position where he's ready to go out from game one and, and – uh, be a guy who we can count on to, to give us, you know, 50 snaps a game and, and um, good enough to be a quality starter in the Big Ten. If you can think back to that final spring game and, I mean, as much as you can learn about your team during a spring when you're scrimmaging your own team, what did you learn about some of these uh, players on your defensive line and about the unit as a whole? Well, I think the biggest thing is just the – we're going to be a D line that succeeds by committee. You know, we don't have um, some of the guys that were drafted a year ago and have left and gone on um, with uh, only one really senior coming back and Zach Van Valkenburg. And then John Wagner, of course, has played a lot of football for us too. Uh, Joe Evans, some on third down, but uh, they're just not a, a huge nucleus of players who have a lot of playing time under their belt. But what we did find throughout spring 
is they're a really competitive group of guys that work hard. They play well together. And again, I think they understand our system and what they're being asked to do. And so um, like is in the past, I think you'll see um, like, like you have with other Iowa defensive lines over past years where, you know, we're going to find that, you know, we're going to put eight, nine, 10 guys on the field off and on throughout the course of the game and rotate a lot of players in there and keep them fresh and um, hopefully put a good unit together through that means. Yeah. And um, I know that we saw a lot of like Noah Shannon too. And um, some, you've got some other vet veterans like John Wagner, you mentioned, what are you seeing out of those players and what are your expectations for some of those veterans who maybe aren't quite the Zach Van Valkenburg, but so, you know, have them some time in the Big Ten football under their belt. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Noah's one that you mentioned, John, Joe, those are the guys that have played the most. YA had some snaps, but not as many as the others probably, just being a true freshman last year. But those guys are now going to be asked to step up into roles where maybe they played 15, 20 snaps last year, and they're going to have to go up to 45, 50 snaps and uh, just make that next step in the progression of their development. And I think they're, they're on pace, on track to do that. They just need to have a good summer and a good fall camp, and hopefully they'll be ready to go when we kick it off against Indiana. Someone we saw a lot of that I think a lot of people were kind of like, who's that, um, was Louis Steck. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about him and like his background and what you saw out of him this spring season. Yeah, Louis Steck's a guy that walked on from the state of Illinois to us. Uh, not a big guy in stature, but an uh, explosive, quick guy with a huge heart. And um, he just goes hard all the time. You, you won't find a guy who gives you a better effort. You won't find a guy who's a better team guy with a better attitude. And, um, he, you know, we did have some injuries in the D-line this spring that uh, they weren't like long-term injuries or anything like that, but it would put a guy out for maybe, you know, four or five days or a week or something like that. And it just afforded people like Louie more opportunities to get on the field and get a chance to show what he could do. So uh, he took full advantage of that to his credit, did a nice job. And I think, um, you know, was a real pleasant surprise. And uh, we found out some things about him that we wouldn't have known had those other guys been healthy the whole time, but it presented an opportunity for him that he took advantage of. So to his credit, he did a nice job. So, um, and if I remember correctly, Joe Evans also was a walk-on at some point. Um, he we put him on scholarship here a while back, but he, he came to us as a walk-on originally. Yeah, and I know that I was kind of known for, you know, either the two-star recruits or the walk-ons ending up, you know, having this great career in college football. And I'm just wondering, you know, what kind of guy does it take to be one of those walk-ons who, um, you know, eventually does reach that point of success and, you know, maybe speak to Joe Evans and how he's been able to kind of, reached to his point where he was used a lot on third down last season. And now he was pretty prominent in spring ball too. Right. No, those guys come in and the first thing is you have to believe in yourself and you have to be willing just to do what the program asks. You know, there's, there's guys out there that um, like Joe, you know, is a perfect example where maybe he's right on the cusp of being a scholarship caliber player coming out of high school, but things don't work out quite exactly how you would hope for one reason or the other, but they, they're given an opportunity to come in here. Uh, they work hard. They, they, they do the right things in terms of the development program with the weight room. Um, they're coachable. They're hardworking. 
they have good attitudes and they just stay the course and do what the program asks. And eventually they find their way onto the field. Usually it starts out with special teams and then it leads to a few snaps, um, you know, on, on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, whatever it may be. And then they just kind of evolve into taking advantage of those opportunities and, and uh, show some production. And, you know, a lot of times it leads to a scholarship, which obviously this program has proven over a long period of time that we'll take walk-ons and put them on if they, um, produce and, and play like some can. Now, I hate to do too much speculation about the upcoming season, but I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of looking ahead, trying to figure out what the competition is going to be like. And I was projected to do pretty well this year by multiple media outlets, um, especially defensively. Um, I'm wondering who you think will be some of the tougher opponents up ahead on the road and how you're going to prepare for them. <laughs> you're, you're trying to get me to make a comment here that I'm going to regret and I'm not going to do it. But uh, I, all I can tell you is we're opening up with Indiana and they're a heck of a football team. And if we look beyond them, then we're making a serious mistake. Right. Uh, you can go down the schedule and, and there's all kinds of quality opponents all the way up and down that schedule. And I know it's coach cliche or coach speak, whatever you want to call it, but really, you know, we've just first, First things first is we just need to focus on ourselves and we need to try to do the very best we can between now and the start of the season to get our team as well prepared as we can through just putting a great summer and a great training camp together. Obviously, we'll deal with Indiana when we get closer to game week, but um, that's going to be a huge task, a big a big challenge because the, their, their program is really hitting its stride right now and they're doing a great job. So our focus needs to be right there. And once we get beyond that uh, – first game then we'll move on to Iowa State and everybody else after that you excited for that Iowa State game to be back well it's always a game you look forward to uh both both schools I'm sure uh have similar attitudes towards that game so it's great for the state it's great for both universities it'll be a dog fight again like it always is is it conflicting for you a little bit and that you are a cyclone <laughs> hey uh my feet are planted right here and that's where all my attention and focus is at right here well and the way i see it is you know i guess this is the one that's paying you more money whereas like you i guess you got a college education out of iowa state so there's that you know you're a scholarship player but i don't right. know uh there's value in both uh i wanted to know i was going back and looking through a little bit of last season too and obviously iowa dropped the games against purdue and uh, Northwestern. I wanted to know what you learned about your defensive line from those games. Cause I know that you learn more from games that you lose rather than games that you win. So what did you learn from those games specifically last year? And how were you able to kind of um, make changes and, um, you know, execute for the next couple of games? Well, I think you, you learn something every game you play. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, different styles of offense present different challenges and different things that you have to evaluate when you're playing in Wisconsin, for example, who's more of a two-back team that plays with multiple tight ends. Um, you know, you're you're in a different mentality in that game than you would be against somebody who's, for example, a four-receiver team um, that has a different style of running the football. It's more of a spread shotgun run team. You know, those types of things. So your your evaluations of, of things that you have to, to look at and adjust to and what types of players play best against those varying types of offensive systems um, is, is something that's interesting to look at every week. But 
um, you know, you can't sit here and say that one is more important than the other. They're just both different. Um, they're both interesting to watch. And, and um, you know, like I said, every week is, is a little bit different from team to team. Um, but we're running into a situation now in college football where there are a lot more spread teams, even in the Big Ten. Uh, a lot of team, teams are, uh, you know, more one back. They throw the football more than they used to. There's a lot less um, just traditional old Big Ten type of football where people are coming off and trying to run the ball and, and um, you know, just play that physical brand of football that this conference has been known for for so long. It's still physical. It's still hard-nosed, but it's just a different way of doing it um, based on how offenses are approaching the game now. Yeah, I mean, just in your career alone, two offensive offenses have changed, and um, we've seen the spread kind of take over at every conference. And um, what do you think of that, and how has that impacted you as a coach? Have you kind of had to – reform the way you approach things? Well, yeah, I think, you know, used to be like for us, for example, you know, we're a four, three team, which means we play with four D linemen and three linebackers and four defensive backs. And that's the way uh, defense was played here for a long time. And then a couple of years ago, um, when we started to see so much of the one back offense, it uh, got you into a situation where used to be you didn't get until third down that you put a fifth defensive back in the game. And I think now most people, if they're playing against a one back offense or playing five defensive backs, even a lot on first and second down. So that's probably the biggest change, I think, in terms of just the, you know, the big picture difference between how it is now versus how it was maybe four or five years ago. And how does that impact you you like from a recruiting standpoint too are you looking for different types of players than you did before or has it mostly stayed the same it's changed a little bit i think most people their scholarship counts probably tilt a little bit more towards a, a higher number in the defensive back area maybe not quite as high in the linebacker area just because like i said a lot of times now you're playing with two linebackers instead of three and five defensive backs instead of four so you do have to account for that in the in your numbers um, in recruiting and how you decide you're going to allocate your scholarships. Yeah, that's an interesting thing I didn't even think about. Um, very cool. Well, um, so what is the summer kind of all about for you now? I mean, I know it's a lot of strength training and stuff for the guys, but you know, what is what is kind of your focus and your goals for the summer going into this fall season? Well, June is uh, real heavy with camps right now. We've had a couple of them, and we've got another three or four coming up. Uh, that, and we, we close out our last campus June 27th. But uh, there are a lot of high school athletes coming onto campus trying to get in front of us, um, guys that we've uh, been recruiting and some that we haven't and don't know anything about that will just show up here. And, uh, you know, our opportunity to evaluate them is, is a really big deal in June. So that's where a lot of our focus is. Also, because now the dead period has been lifted in recruiting, you're allowed to get unofficial visits set up on campus. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of guys that are coming onto campus as uh, unofficial visits just to, to look around and see the facilities and meet coaches. And we now get to spend time face-to-face -face as opposed to having the Zoom calls, which is good. And then towards the end of the month, um, that's when we're going to do most of our official visits for guys that, um, you know, we're either have offered scholarships to or we plan to. 
and the guys that we'd be interested in signing come December when the, the signing date comes around for the class of guys that we're recruiting it right now. Is this maybe your busiest June you've ever had, or is it mostly the same? Well, certainly busier than last June because we were all sitting, you know, uh, somewhere without things to do that we're normally doing, be it in the office, uh, staring at the four walls or doing something around your house, you know, with all the COVID restrictions. So it's a way different June than last year. But I think, um, you know, June has gotten to be a, a more, much more busy month than it ever was, say, 10 years ago. And I think as, you know, you look at the last five, it's certainly become uh, probably one of the busiest months of the whole calendar year, I think. The season obviously is its own kind of separate entity, its own animal, if you will. But um, in terms of months outside the actual season, June to me is without a doubt the busiest month. Yeah. I mean, what does a day in the life look like for you right now? Well, it depends on what we've got going on. That's part of the thing is it fluctuates a lot from day to day. I mean, you may have three or four uh, recruits coming in on unofficial visits. You may have a camp going on that day. Uh, you may have a Zoom call that you've been asked to do. Uh, <laughs> like we're sitting here doing right now. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it keeps it interesting uh, because it's not the same every day. But the days are full. And then a lot of times at night, you're on the phone talking to recruits. Um, you're, you're setting up guys um, to come into campus so that uh, they're all set to go for their camps or their unofficial visits. You're following up from previous camps that you've run to let kids know what your evaluation is of them. You're talking to high school coaches to keep them filled in on how their prospects are doing that do come to camp with you. Um, there's lots of irons in the fire. And and uh, it's not just one thing that you're focused on. There's lots of different things that, uh, you, you know, you're wearing lots of different hats right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, and but at least, you know, it is a busy month and you're not staring at the four walls like you did last summer. <laughs> hey, this is this is awesome because uh, a year ago we were all begging for uh, to be be back into uh, the mode that we are right now. So it's it's good to be back doing what we love to do. How did you spend your quarantine? Were you, did you get into board games or puzzles like everybody else? Yeah, I got every project you could think of done around the house that you could imagine and then some. And uh, yeah, we, we started picking up on some board games, card games, whatever you name it. And, uh, you know, some of that was good, but you also realize that it's just something you're doing to fill in the time for what you really would rather be doing, not rather be doing, but what you love to do, which is, what we're actually doing right now uh, in the month of June. I'm sure it feels kind of, it gives you a whole new appreciation for what you do um, on an everyday basis. Is like, oh, you get to finally be back to what you set out to do. Right. No, sometimes you don't realize how fortunate and blessed you are to do what you do until the opportunity has been taken away, which kind of that's what COVID did. And I think we all realized, um, you know, what a special thing it is to be able to coach and play here and that's true for all the other programs around the country as well and uh, to, to not have that opportunity um, you know was a real gut punch for everybody so we're happy to be back doing what we're doing and enjoying it yeah for sure well Jay I'm really glad that you took time out of your busy day your busy month to come on the on Iowa podcast and so I wanted to thank you for coming on here today and um for all our readers out there you can follow my work at thegazette.com and yeah just have a good day appreciate that very much thanks for having me on all right go hawks <laughs>